Survivor Podcast. I am John, and my co-host Andy is here. Andy, before we start, I just have to say something. You are the worst, and I hate you, and I hate your Canadianness. I hate your obsession with Morgan. All right, that's it. I am going to quit because I just don't want my child to be embarrassed by the things that I will do over the internet. Um, is your child aware of the internet? Because I don't know if you know this, but the podcasts we've recorded in the past, they're still available. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I thought, I thought we screwed that up to make sure it wasn't true. <laughs> we can always go back and edit, which I keep meaning to do and I just keep forgetting. My kid would be bored one minute in. You're not a dancing bear. <laughs> You're not Dora the Explorer at all. Speaking of dancing bears, no, there's no way to transition there. Nope, not a good transition there. But we can talk about quitting because Lindsay, we got set up. We really, you know how last season we were just complaining that Survivor was giving us these on-the-nose previews and just ruining the next episodes for us? This time they totally did the uh the pump fake on us and we bit it i totally thought that we were going to see Lindsay throw a punch didn't happen yeah see i think the preview actually i think was played it fairly fair it was jeff probst that gave us the okie doke like he was the one that like in interviews was like something shocking will happen for the first time ever i mean maybe he didn't even say shocking and then you know we made the leap there because the preview like when i first watched it, it was like oh Lindsay's quitting and, you know, that's all that ended up happening. That's sad. We weren't that far off. She quit to prevent herself from doing what we thought she was going to do. Uh, she says she quit to prevent herself from doing what we thought she was going to do. Well, I mean, she said it that night, and she stuck to her story since. And um, I have no reason not to believe her. What I would say is uh, that doesn't absolve her. Like, it's not a good excuse. Uh, we are adult human beings resorting to violence because we're being beaten in a game really shouldn't come into come to play. Oh, you don't want to play Monopoly against me then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured you, I mean, I figured you'd be the type that just flips the board, but you know, I know for a fact that you're a good loser because, you know, fantasy survivor. Ooh, slick burn. <laughs> but yeah, I, do you have any sympathy for Lindsay at all? Because some people out there are getting it, and I, I have none. Maybe I just tuned her out because I was bored, but I didn't get such a great feel for why she was quitting, other than she just felt somehow bullied by Trish. And, of course, we we're only getting as little an edit as possible. Which, bravo, Survivor. I'm glad you got this done, like, in the cold open, because she didn't deserve any more than that. Right, and who knows how, like, awful the quote-unquote abuse might have been maybe it was really horrible and she really did have to quit because she couldn't take it anymore i don't know but regardless who cares i mean we we had both agreed Lindsay wasn't going to win anyway mm -hmm. so let's move on well i don't know i want to talk this through just a bit more just because um i want to dispel the notion at any chance that she was a victim in this if you watch any of the insider videos which I guess I'm the kind of person that watches insider videos now. I'm not sure when that happened, but it does. Uh, from last week, from the time of like the swap to tribal council, any video of Lindsay's interview or secret scene, she's riding high. She couldn't be happier. Me, Cliff, and Wu are controlling this game. This is great. We'll get rid of them, and then we'll get rid of Trish. And then something does not go her way. And like by all indications, it was about two hours later. She's quitting the game. 
I don't deny that her and Trish did not get along. We saw evidence of that from the very first episode. I don't even deny that Trish is the kind of person that's difficult to get along with. We saw evidence of that in the pre-game videos. Like, neither of us liked either her or Trish. Um, But tough. That's Survivor. And again, you're an adult. An adult parent. We don't punch people because they're bothering us. (laughs) Maybe she needs to watch some more children's-themed television to learn how to resolve conflicts. And, like, from what we saw... Trish didn't really instigate a big fight. What Trish did, which, look, is annoying, is that she comes back from Tribal Council, which was the first Tribal Council that she's had to attend, or Lindsay had had to attend, and she pulled the old, I want to explain myself bit, which doesn't need to happen. Just shut up, Trish. You got your way. I think people pretty clearly understood what happened. And, yeah, Lindsay's in a bad mood. She doesn't want to hear it. But basically she said that, and that set Lindsay off on a tirade of insults. And then, because Lindsay had no power, and Trish did have the power, Trish's comebacks were able to hurt more than Lindsay's, you know, making fun of her accent, her age, and her teeth. Words hurt, Andy. Words hurt. Yeah, but if you're looking like, from the footage we saw, the word, the bad words being used, Lindsay was dishing out more of them than Trish was. Trish was basically like, ask me if I care. You don't matter. So, basically, my rant here is leading to the bigger question that's happening right now. Last season, we had a quit. So, you and I did, basically, I think, a half-hour historical discussion on quitting. Where I think our basic stance was, it doesn't really bother us when people quit. Mostly because the people who quit suck, and we're glad they're leaving. But, where do you think her quit ranks? As in, was this the worst quit in Survivor history? Or least justified? Well, actually, we had a, a pre-game quit once, although I guess that was fairly justified because I guess she was having some sort of mental issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a couple of mental issue ones. And, you yeah, know, which, I'm an advanced enough human being to recognize that, you know, mental pain is a real thing and yep. we can treat it like injuries. Totally fine with that. Uh, let's see. Other than that, Brandon Hans gets a pass from me. Yeah, I think because, those are mental issues as well. Yeah, I think um, we can lump those in as mental issues. It's actually kind of funny in her interview today with uh, Rob Sestronino. She almost seemed like she was like setting Brandon Hans up as like a, a good example for her. Like, like she, yeah, you know, I, I like she was looking up to what he had done. There, there are people out there that this like watched what Brandon Hans did. Is like cool. I'm going to dump rice and start fights. Um, I would say the biggest comp and like the, the challenge for whether Lindsay was worse or better, would be Nayaka and Purple Kelly quitting. Yeah, and those were the first two that came to my mind, even though I try to forget everything about that season, just because they were suffering in awful weather and hating life. I can maybe give their quit a little bit more weight. Yeah. That's where I'm at, too. Like, they were getting pounded by rain for two days straight. I can see where a human being just says, you know, enough. And, you know, they're not going to win, you know. And again, like we said, they did us a favor by getting off the show. Whereas, yeah, Lindsay was basically pouting because the one time she had to go to tribal council didn't go her way. And now she had to be around somebody she didn't like. And it's not a huge leap to think that Lindsay's situation could have improved. You know, her tribe wins the next immunity. Now there's a merge. She flips over the other side and gets rid of Trish. Yeah, and I have to be around people that I can't stand to be around every day. It's called work. Yeah, you, you, she works in customer service. You can't tell me. Now, granted, she doesn't have to be around those people 24 hours a day. 
but if she was cutting people's hair for 24 hours a day, she'd be a pretty terrible hairstylist. <laughs> Either that or a very thorough one. But I mean, they, the show cast her because, you know, I, she probably gave every indication that she was a bit of a hothead and this is what you get. But yeah, I, I have no sympathy. I don't think this is a situation where Trish was just as bad. Look, Trish is annoying, but you now she also kind of earned a bit of a right to gloat because it sounds like Lindsay was doing plenty of gloating when she thought she was in charge. Sure. She can dish it, but can't take it. Yeah. Well, we got a question about this from uh, one of our Twitter followers, XL Pelican. He says, if you're Wu and Liz- Lindsay just fled the camp, do you calm her or try to convince her to stay or is that too risky? What's oh, your thought on this? I think Wu played it perfectly. Uh, Lindsay's lost cause. There's no point in uh, going down with the ship on that one, especially because right now it's her, you or her, so might as well be her. Like Even if she was just having a tantrum when she's coming back. But even better is when Jeff came and told them that they left, Wu, like, immediately, was almost missing it, without missing a beat. It's like, uh, okay, now it's us five. We're together. And that was perfect because it showed that he had no hard feelings. He was willing to work with them. And basically, he inserted them in, himself into their alliance. You know, that could have easily been like, uh, we five, Kimosabi, but no, they, they, they were all for it. Yeah, I kind of think, though, that that's Wu's reaction to everything. Like, hey, Wu, we're going to drink this poison Kool-Aid. Oh, cool, bro. I'm in. Yeah, let's let's down this. Like, to me, he just seems like the guy who will just agree with anything and everything that you're saying. Like, hey, Wu, I got this idea for this terrible movie. Would you like to be in it? <laughs> oh, we are going to have to. Oh, you did tweet out the link to that, didn't you? Yes, yes. Uh... Yes. Yeah. So if you are listening to this and you don't know what we're talking about, go and look at our Twitter feed at Purple Rock Pod and find where we link to Wu's movie t- trailer? trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're going to enjoy that one. But no, look, I mean, it was, I think it was fine. I think he did a good job. I think in an alternate universe, I could see Wu being a real contender to win, but we both put him in the 0% club last week and I stand by that because if Wu was a real contender to win, we'd be getting a whole lot more of Wu than we are. Yeah. I'd put him in like the negative 10% club at this point. Uh, one last thought. How did you think Probst handled it? I think Probst is kind of mellowed on the, uh, quitters when it is related to like mental healthy type issues or mm-hmm. violence type issues. I really think that the, uh, Brandon Hans thing kind of spooked him a bit. So he was hard on Col- Colton last season, but I think when it comes to people like Brandon or Lindsay suggesting that she might have a Brandon scenario, he's kind of like, oh, okay, well, let's just dial this one back and, you have a nice life. See you later. Yeah, I think that was it. And also, like, he wasn't there when she first announced it. Like, he had to come. So I'm sure, like, he was filled in on the details. <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> Are we not doing phrasing anymore? <laughs> um, but, yeah, he had to get to camp. So I'm sure he was filled in all the details. And at that point, it was just, let's get the scene and get her out of here before anything happens. Yeah. All right. So farewell, Lindsay. That's the last time we talk about you. Except, I guess, next season when somebody quits and we have to talk about you again. Ugh, we've already spent too much time on her. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, so as we talked about last week, they got rid of that real quickly, and we still had a real episode with real challenges and a real vote out. And everything it suggested is, you know, Solana, Salami? I don't know, whatever that tribe is called. They had to choose between Jeremiah and Alexis. They chose Alexis. Do you think that was the right move? Absolutely. That's why I called it last week. Yes, uh, you've you've jumped up on the predictions three to two. 
We both got the Woo. Lindsay prediction right-ish that she was going to leave the game. Right. Uh, we both figured out Jatia. Yeah. But yes, you picked Alexis last week. I picked Jatia. Or I picked Jeremiah. But last week I also said Alexis was the right move. I just thought they would go with Jeremiah. Uh, why, why would you say that it was the right choice for Alexis? Assuming that you think there's not going to be a merge in this coming week, which obviously we now know there is, you want Jeremiah around for one more challenge. Just because otherwise you're left with Spencer and <laughs> a bunch of females, only maybe one or two of whom are actually athletic. So probably a good call to keep Jeremiah around. Yeah, I mean, we saw this week uh, Morgan had to go one-on-one with Tony. Which, phrasing. Yeah, and I thought, I was like, it's uh, I think even easier, clearly Alexis was still very much a Jeffra and LJ fan. And Jeremiah, maybe not so much. Right. I Actually, I think Alexis sort of, I was going to say screwed herself, but caught my own phrasing there. So she had told all of them that, you know, Jeremiah was with them, sold them out, was with them again, makes Jeremiah seem pliable, which to the Brains tribe had to seem like a good thing. Mm -hmm. Like he might be willing to come along with them if it suited him. So it's like, what's that? Jeremiah and Morgan have already burned bridges on the other side. Tell me more about why we shouldn't try to team with them. Exactly. So I, I think Alexis sort of sealed her own fate there and good move. Get rid of her. Yeah. And I also think, you know, a scene we probably didn't see happen was I, I'm mess- guessing Morgan might have also weighed in on that. Like, oh yeah, Alexis is more likely to flip. She and LJ sleep together every night or whatever. Cause I think that's something Morgan <laughs> I- said. Literally sleep. Okay, people. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure she wasn't tossing around those kind of rumors, but yeah, no, Alexis was, the right choice. She is far more dangerous socially. And it looked like she was a little strategic, too. If you say so. I, I wouldn't even give her that much credit. I said a little in that she was trying to talk to them. She was trying to throw Jeremiah under the bus. I believe she was the one that brought up the vote splitting uh, way back when. I don't think we saw much of her because she didn't matter. She's a pre-jury undateable you know, boot that went to tribal council twice. So those people don't get profiled. Cat tweeted at her and said that she would date her. Yes. She was cute. Um, sure. It's too bad. She probably would, might have been more interesting than, say, Jeffra, but, yeah, she's gone. Let's talk about the best. Yeah, group. let's talk oh. about the what's become the highlight of the season. And I want to just straight out for, yeah, right away, we're not just doing this because Tony's nice to us on Twitter. You would think he wouldn't be nice to us because we're frequently mean about his gameplay. <laughs> but he has been the standout performer thus far, at least in terms of like an entertainment standpoint. Right. And this week was just yet another example of, I think I've got the perfect comp and I'm, I know you'll like this because you are an NBA fan and we thought we'd stop our NBA talk last week, but Can't stop, Tony, stop. Tony is the Nate Robinson of this season. <laughs> He's very exciting. Lots of things are happening, but it's probably not a good winning strategy to have Nate Robinson as the like star of your team. Yeah, he might hurt you as much as he'll help you. Um, exactly. I mean, we've been saying it from the beginning. I mean, I literally said it at the beginning when I, you know, put the scarlet letter on him or a scarlet number, as it were. Uh, he's just so active, and it's interesting, and it's like not even bad. Like I'm almost 
ready to just stop trying to assess whether his moves are right or wrong. I mean, not really, because that's basically what we do here. But, like, some of them are working, and who knows how this one will work, but it's too much. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the thing, is he's a high-volume shooter. He's a Rudy Gay. You never know what's actually going to fall. More NBA references from me. But, like, his, yeah, so his big move last night was when he and Wu go to rob the other tribe as per the reward, he figures out, hey, why don't we put pretend that this immunity clue is for them to put a target and put it on Jeremiah. And that right there is indicative of, like, a very active mind. Like, he's trying every situation to find an angle. And sometimes it's really good stuff, like making sure he's in possession of all the clues when rewards come. Sometimes it's, you know, kind of silly but harmless, like building a spy shack. But this, it's like, I've won a reward, let me think of something else. And it's really clever. It is clever. I don't, again, it's it's a good plan. I don't know about the execution. Yeah, and like, I, I think it worked. Like, I think they all bought it. Like, Spencer gave an interview where he's like, I don't believe Jeremiah, you know, when he says that, you know, Tony was setting up. And part of it's just because it's so outlandish, nobody would even think somebody would do that, right? Right. But, so I think that whole move there was really good and well executed. It's when he got back to his own beach that was the problem. Yeah, the just voluntarily telling everybody, hey, just so you know, I've been lying to you guys all along. But it's cool. I'm going to stop that now. Uh, It just, where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I think the telling them what he did with Jeremiah, that also was fine. And it didn't seem like anybody really had a problem with that. I think they probably thought it was kind of amusing. Maybe afterwards when they thought about it, it's like, whoa, this guy's a player. But honestly, I don't think you need to spend too much time with Tony to realize that, you know, you got to keep an eye out on him. Um, But he couldn't keep that one a secret because Wu was party to it. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, the whole, yeah, by the way, I'm a cop and uh, I was going to lie about this and all of that. And I think all it is is just another symbol like he's just he is a super fan of the show. There's no doubt in my mind he's probably watched all if not you know, almost all if not all episodes and sat there and thought about all the things he would do when he got on Survivor and now he's out there and he's doing it and he's just so giddy that he needs to share it. He needs people to know how smart he is. And I kind of feel like he's he has this like massive checklist of moves that he wants to make. And it's kind of like if he just selectively went through and grabbed a few off that list, he'd be just destroying this season right now. But as it is, he's selected so many that they're kind of tangling up and they're going to trip him up at some point. Yeah, even if it's just the general impression, like I can't trust that guy or that guy is dangerous. Even if it's not a matter of trust, maybe everybody does trust him. I mean, certainly Sarah did, right? Uh, certainly Trish has. Right, but we already saw that LJ is yeah, starting he's to He's on LJ's radar now. But yeah, and it kind of speaks to Survivor in that it's a really hard game, but it's also kind of deceptively simple. Like, it's you have to be thinking all the time, you have to be out there listening, you have to make connections, you have to deal with the elements, but you can't make that many moves. A lot of times as simple as making connections and setting yourself up right. And I think he's kind of doomed by the show that he watches. I mean, we know from years of watching this that the the show that you don't see is just as important as the show you do see. And the stuff that makes TV is the exciting moves, but that's not where the game is necessarily won. Uh, sometimes it'll advance your game, but the real winning strategy here is to 
get people to at least tolerate you, if not like you, mm-hmm. and want to vote for you at the end. And I just, I don't know that he's devoting enough attention to that. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, it, I mean, it's all because he's super eager, but also it's his first time. And I think a second time through, he would have, he would be more calm and more selective. Problem is, I think the game that he's playing, oh, and I should say, there's going to be a second time with Tony. Yeah, there is. Welcome back to whatever season you get on next, Tony. It'll be soon, yeah. I'm sure. Um because villain, he's playing the villain role. I think he's excited to do it. And this is a show that lionizes villains. But uh, the problem is you can't play this game twice. People will be on to Tony and be scared of him right away. You know, in the same way that, like, Russell, when people had finally played with him that got to see him. Or, you know, Rob C. Or, you know, I mean, Ceree is probably the only one that was able to kind of duplicate at least once. But by the third time, people are like, watch out for her. So it's like right. he he needs the second time to calm down, which a lot of, you know, great players have had that but he's being so dominant both in the edit and just in all you know all the things that he's doing that i don't know how he gets to do it the next time unless he really works the circuit yeah i don't see it although you did bring up the obvious comp here i kind of feel like though if he's trying to emulate russell's game which it sort of seems like i actually think in some ways he's improving russell's game Mm -hmm. but in other ways Oh boy, he's taken it way too far. Yeah. Like he's, he does seem to have a little bit more of a grasp of the fact that he'll need a actual alliance, whereas Russell just needed some pawns. Mm -hmm. But I think he's just doing so many moves, whereas Russell at least did seem to put some thought into, okay, at this point, I need to take this person out because of X. Like I don't think Tony gives as much thought to that. I'll say Russell, the, benefit in some ways. I'm not sure it's a benefit, but he lost a lot. His tribe was always going to tribal council. So for one, people that weren't on his side were going away. And for two, after a while, like he had to cut the garbage because they just, there was nobody left. Uh, whereas Tony has been itching to do stuff and hasn't been able to do, you know, do the, the big things to actually vote people out. I also think what we saw last night was, he had set Cliff as his objective and then Lindsay as a secondary objective. And in one foul swoop, they were both gone. And I think he was just so elated and he just started to relax. And in that, um, he found himself in a situation now that was more of his making as opposed to the one he was in. And now he wanted to make friends and do all the things we said he should have been doing right away. And that's why, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he just unloaded all that truth. So I think it was like he was so focused on his first objective that when he achieved it, He's just started to relax a bit. And we see this, yeah. you know, people get tunnel vision in Survivor. You know, Jeff Kent with Jonathan Penner and Coach with Brendan or Marty with Jimmy Johnson. And it's almost like they forget, like, that's not the the, the real objective. And I think that's what happened. He, he let his guard down. Right. And now you worry that it, once you do let your guard down, that's when you're going to get screwed. Yeah. But I also don't think we've seen the last of him. I think he's uh he's gonna be around for a bit, not just because I he's helping me do well in another fantasy survivor season. Hey, I realized by the way he's on my uh, pick four fantasy team too. So yeah. go Tony, yeah, give happened? me some points. I I think you wrote it down wrong once, and you're good to go. You know what? I was fairly convinced that I had LJ on my team and not Tony, but I was surprised to see. Oh wait, I wrote Tony, and I mean it's written down, so I guess that's the way it is. Even though you, LJ was your actual pick to win the season. 
Yes. And I replaced LJ with Tony somehow. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about with Tony is people like, are like, oh, the way he did that with Jeremiah. Do you think he, you know, you know, plants evidence as his career as a cop? And it's like, stop, people. Just stop. Yes. Play, listen, we've said this before. Survivor's just a game. Just because he plays a dirty game of Survivor doesn't mean he's a dirty cop. And also, his game isn't even that dirty. Like, he's, like, it's really, really aggressive. But he hasn't been, like, mean to anybody. Like, Trish has been far more mean than he is. Lindsay has been far more mean. Like, he seems to be, like, not disrespecting people to their face. Like, that's the dirty game of Survivor, kicking people when they're down. He's just trying to get vote everybody out, and he says things about them in confessionals. Right. But, yeah, no, don't try to equate his real-life thing with what's happening in Survivor. We don't want people on Survivor to act like they do in their real life. It'd be boring. Well... If they did that, then Trish would be the most boring person on this show because she's an accountant. There you go. <laughs> and they are the most boring people on Earth. Yeah, anybody who works with numbers just isn't worth talking They're to. the worst. All right, we talked about the Zero Percent Club. Yeah. You have no idea who's in it. Let's get some inductees. Yeah, tell me who I have on mine. <laughs> so this, uh, this is where we're at. Um, in terms of people that are still in the game, I've inducted Tony, Morgan, uh, Trish, and Wu. Okay. And you've inducted Trish and Wu. <laughs> okay. I thought and I had Lindsay in there. Well, Lindsay's no longer in the game. I don't know. Oh, if you right. Okay. You're saying of those. And then the people that we inducted before they were boot- booted, so people, you know, we got right. Uh, you had Cliff and Lindsay. I had Lindsay, Jatia, and Alexis. Oh, so I didn't have Alexis in there? No, I think you agreed with my reasoning, but you didn't say me too. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I inducted her back when... She and Bryce were the targets, and That's she never right. got any yeah, screen time. Yeah, she wasn't even getting airtime. So, another episode. Uh, you got any other names? Well, Morgan, first of all. There you go. Yeah, yeah I think you. I, I think you agreed with me last week, but you just let me talk, or I didn't let you talk. No, I, I agreed with you, and I wasn't ready to pull the trigger. I'm much more conservative than you because I am American. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Morgan. Sorry, there's no way you win. Although she's looking really good as a goat. Yeah, I, she's very likely to make the finals, I think. Or, I mean, my prediction, I already wrote it down, was she's like that extra member on whatever alliance ends up going there. And they'll always talk like, oh, maybe we should keep Morgan and get rid of the bigger threat, you know, X. And then they'll just vote her out anyway, because people would rather just not complicate things. Right. And you have famously inducted Tony into the 0% club. So if Tony can get to the end with some combination of Morgan, Wu, or Trish, I think Tony can still win. That's yeah. That's where I see him having a chance to win. I can buy that. I mean, it's the same reason, like, I'm not inducting anybody tonight. Uh, I think Jeffra has very little chance. Oh, and that's who I was going to add next is Jeffra. Go ahead. You, you, answer, you, you say why, and I'll say why I'm not there yet. Okay. Um, it's sort of similar to your Alexis reasoning, where we're just not seeing a lot of Jeffra. She's doesn't seem to be too involved in the move. She's sort of along for the ride. And I don't see too many people that she could get to the end with and beat. I mean, it would just have to be a pack of scrubs somehow reach the finals and she beats them just out of being likable, I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe if it's somehow Jeffra, Trish, Morgan, maybe she wins. But even then, I think it's a reach. See, here's her really narrow path to victory, which isn't you know, completely unlikely. But basically, I think we're in for a second half of, like, 
crazy gameplay. Because I don't think any of these alliances that exist right now are that solid. But if she could somehow find herself falling into the finals with Trish and Tony, and Tony has been, you know, stabbing everybody in the back, like he gets the ranker, and Trish nobody likes, then I could see her, you know, Natalie Whiting her way to the the victory. I like how you verb Natalie White there. Yeah, so I think that's her, like, 2% chance, and that's why I'm not ready to put her in yet. All right, I'm going to call it zero. Okay. And, yeah, like I said, uh, anybody else for you? No, I'm good. Yeah, I think everybody else right now has a shot. It might be slim in many cases, but it's not zero. All right, we're going to bring on a special guest this week. We like to have guests on from time to time, and one of our main recruiting pools is the AV Club comment section. And we have... Diego Armando from the AV Club comments section. Diego, say hi. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for coming on. We've actually been planning to have Diego on for a while, because he's a very active commenter on the AV Club, which we are as well. So, first of all, Diego, give us a little background on you. What kind of fan of the show are you? How long have you been watching? I've started... I was kind of a late comer to this. I watched a little bit of the early stuff. I think Amazon was the first season I saw fully. And then I saw bits and pieces of Pearl Island, but I watched all of All Stars and been pretty much watched every episode since. I, th- I think that actually puts you slightly ahead of the amount of seasons I No, I think you're about tied with the seasons I've seen. Do you have a favorite season? I feel, my probably go-to would probably be Token Teens. Good choice. You guys are big on that. I've never been the fan that you guys are. Maybe I was just a little burned out by then. Maybe you need to go back and watch it. It was really good. Yeah, it was. I consider that one to be probably the best overall cast, fun strategy, good villains. Other ones I like are Palau, Cook Islands, Philippines would probably be the other ones I'd go for quickly. Not a bad list. Yeah, I think I'm in on all of those. All right, and do you have any uh, favorite players, Diego? I've had a few I've liked. I liked Yul Kwan and Earl Cole a lot. Earl would probably be the one I'd find myself most similar to. I was a fan of Sandra's time as well. I don't think Earl gets enough credit. No. He's kind of my pick for most underrated just because just because of the way the final episode went down. But he actually was a really good player. And probably the same sort of similar strategy as kind of Kim in terms of control, but staying under the radar subtly. Yeah, I think the issue is people hate Fiji. Like, it was it was a lot of detestable people in that season in the first half. Earl had to deal with a lot of them. But, yeah, I, I think he was a really good winner. I mean, he was intelligent. He was calm. He talked well. But most people just want to forget that season other than Yao Man. He actually almost made my, when we were doing the fan casting of Brains, Brawn, and Beauty, he actually almost made my beauty tribe. Hmm. The handsome dude. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Might have been better than uh, some of uh, Emma's picks. Yeah, we had some pretty poor picks in that. We really need to re-record that thing. So uh, what's what's the appeal for, of Survivor for you? I don't know. I've just always liked game shows, and I kind of got into it first for the challenges, but as I went on, I started to get more and more into the strategy, and I sort of like to kind of visualize myself in there, like what types of strategies I'd come up with to get myself out of situations or how I would play things. It's just kind of fun for me to figure things out, and I just kind of enjoy the overall story structure. Well, strategy, that's a great answer. I don't know if you were doing this on purpose, but that (laughs) transitions us to uh, this week's historical discussion. So uh, Vulture, which I believe is New York Magazine's uh, pop culture website, is currently doing a reality TV 
bracket because every website in the world has to do a bracket in March. Uh, John and I were too lazy to set up a bracket, so you're welcome. Uh, that's, that's a general go-to answer for just about anything. When people ask, why don't you guys do X? It's because we're too lazy. That's we have small the children. Give us a break. Um, I don't care about other reality shows. So I'm not really participating in that. But in support of the web uh, of the tournament, um, they published an article this week by Josh Wiggler, who I believe writes for Rob has a website, where it was the uh, ten best Survivor strategic moves. And I thought it was a pretty good article. And if you guys haven't read it, uh, we'll put a link in the podcast here and probably tweet it out when we're done. But I thought it was worth discussing. So um, what did you think of the article, just kind of in general? I thought it was a good list for the most part. I did like a lot of the moves, and one of them I was not really familiar with, the um, Marquesas one, but that actually sounded really good. I haven't watched that season, but I don't have a lot of objections. I'm not sure I will put them in the order, but I'm not sure I have a particular order or one I will go on for. How about you, John? I Again, I don't know if I had too much objections to the order for the most part. I'd say the list is about 90% accurate, and I think you would have the exact same 10% that you'd want to remove from that list. Yeah, there's one that the 10% just doesn't belong there at all. And then there's there's ones that I'd quibble with, like maybe I'd have a preference. Yeah, there's actually, there's one, but you know what, I'll go ahead and get to it now. There's the Malcolm hold up bro move. Yeah, that I would cut too. It was a good move, and it was interesting tv i just think i mean if you're gonna pick a malcolm move do the one with the three idols that one actually caused some difference in the play yeah the i malcolm taking reynolds idol neither of them went home so it really didn't accomplish much other than just being fun a really fun moment right it was good tv i don't know that i would call it a best strategic move so the one I would take out, so actually I'm okay with that one. I'd probably be like, it's number 10. Because the nice strategy about it is you, he got something for nothing. And he was right. able to protect himself and his idol. And we've said this before on the podcast and have written it. Johnny Fairplay's dead grandma is the most overrated play in Survivor history. Yeah, that's the 10% I'm referring to. Yes. That's way too easy to take off this list. Yeah, it's it had no effect other than it let him, it helped him win that reward challenge bravo you won a reward challenge but it didn't further his game one bit people were going to keep him around anyway because he was terrible yeah i mean nothing and he's like made a whole career out of it he's in you know their silly hall of fame because of it people keep talking about it and look it was a pretty clever moment for the show and for reality tv in general but in terms of a strategic move, it was net zero. Yeah, it didn't advance his game at all. But I think it's one of those things where as you get further and further away from it, you attach more significance to it. And it didn't do anything in that season. I mean, Sandra, even in that challenge, was like, yeah, I don't believe him. He's probably lying. She has, I think, said later on, like, ah, I didn't know if that was true or not, but I just didn't trust the guy in general. It didn't help Fairplay's game. Like you said, he was making it to the end because he was a troll and people didn't like him. Yeah, like, it's a capital M moment. If you want to put top ten most significant moments in Survivor history and you list that, I mean, I might not, but I wouldn't object to it. 
But in terms of a strategic moment, and Josh's argument was, you know, that he took something from outside the game and brought it in. That's actually generally often not that good a strategy unless you're talking about returnee seasons. Like, one of the ways that you can really burden yourself in this game is to lie about things outside of it. But in terms of this, it meant nothing. And people have tried since then to, like, pull a grandmother-type move or even just, like, Russell saying that he was a... What, a Katrina fireman who saved dogs' lives or some stuff? I think his dog died, and that's one of the reasons I never fully warmed up to him. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, these have had zero impact. I just realized something. This is going to happen with Tony. If he makes the family visit, He's already planned that move out? Oh, yes. He's doing something. So if we're going to take that out, Let's put something else in. Let's let Diego go first. Diego, yeah. is there any that you would substitute into that spot? Can I say two that come to my mind? Go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'm more going to think of a few couple more subtle ones. I heard this one pointed out by someone. I forget who. This wasn't my idea, but put out that the, one of the better me. moves they thought was that was Tom and Ian pretty much realizing that Greg and Jen were going to blindside them and Palau and pretty much just taking the side and deciding pretty much, okay, we're going to go up to them, tell them we have Karen, so we're just going to tell them we are going to draw rocks and see if they're going to budge on that. Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, I forgot it. It's not on my list of things to add, but absolutely. I think maybe one of the reasons why it wasn't in the article is because Josh went with the move that went the full rock which is uh, Hayden last year. But yeah, that was the move. They were willing to go to Rocks, and their will broke the other side. Katie flipped on them. And that became a strategic go-to move. Uh, Coaches scripted in South Pacific, the same deal. It's like, if you're not afraid of the tie, then suddenly you don't have to have the tie. Mm-hmm. The only other one was just, this was one kind of one I liked, was in Heroes versus Villains. I think Sandra sort of secured her spot for being a good player was when she realized that she could manipulate Russell very easily and convinced him to get rid of Coach by just saying, like, oh, Coach says he wants to get rid of you. You did not hear this from me. But, yeah, get rid of him over the weaker ally, Courtney, and then pretty much he decided to go on a rampage. Pretty much, yeah, Coach needs to go. Of course, he wants to get rid of me. This is why Sandra is underrated as a player, because she reads people well enough. Her game is not overt like Russell's, Mm -hmm. but she steers the votes away from her. She finds a way to do it every single time, and it's a good strategy, clearly. It's worked twice. Yeah, and you see Tony trying to do a bit of that this season, right? Like, he basically pulled that Sandra move with Sarah. And it worked pretty much. And it it absolutely worked for him so far. We don't know what the blowback is going to be, but it's... Kind of, there can't be blowback at this point. The, the witnesses are dead. Um, <laughs> but it also just kind of shows that Sandra is able to do it in just a more subtle way. She's able to get people to think that, uh, what's her name, dumped out the fish instead of her. Uh, John, help me out here. Oh, the girl. What was her name? Yeah, girl. Yeah, that girl. Uh, Diego's but- not a help because he didn't finish Pearl Islands. <laughs> Oh, it's like a three-syllable name. Anyway, but yeah. It wasn't Dara. It was the other girl. Yes. And just that sort of thing. Like, oh, hey, not me. And, oh, you got to wonder what this person's doing. And it plants enough seeds in people's heads that they do what she wants them to do without them knowing that that's what she wants them to do. And, yeah, she totally owned Russell. She's one of the people who can manipulate you without you realizing you're being played. Right. And that's why her game is underrated because it doesn't come across as well on tv as some other people's games do all right john so what's your your pick well see now i feel bad because 
I'm also going to add a heroes versus villains moment, which in theory, if this were an actual list that we were doing, would have now three moments from that season. But you know what? It deserves it. It's one of the best seasons they've ever had. It'd be my so, number five. Yeah. It, it's hard to drop it out of anybody's top five unless you're just really not a fan of this show. So I don't see how you make a best strategic moves list and don't include Russell Hans. I'm not a fan of the guy. Oh, I had this but one. But it has to be getting Tyson to vote out Parvati. Absolutely. Or to try to vote out Parvati. Because there was no reason for Tyson to do it, but he somehow convinced Tyson to change his vote and got Tyson voted out. Essentially, Tyson voted himself out of the game, and that was all it took for Russell to run the game to the end. Great strategic play. I mean, think what you will about Hans, but that was one of his better moves ever. Yeah, that was the one I was going to say, and I was going to try and shock everybody by saying good things about Russell Hans. I, I'm just as surprised as you are that I said them. <laughs> but yeah, that just got to tip the cap. Like, you couldn't even believe, like, he was three against six or something, and he, he was able to manipulate the vote split. For one, anticipate the vote split. There hadn't been a lot of vote splitting at that point. Like, at the, before it happened, it was like, hey, good on Rob, he figured out the vote split, and he'd never played in Seasons with Idols. And he found a way to make that work in his favor, to get somebody to work in their own self-interest, and then he played his own idol in favor of somebody else. Like, it's absolutely one of the best strategic plays. And I wonder if one of the reasons why it doesn't make the list... Well, for one, it already had a Heroes versus Villains thing. At the the absolute number one that it has to be Parvati playing both her idols. Yeah. But it's almost like it was such a specific situation that Russell was able to manipulate in his favor that it's hard to define as like a strategic process to go forward but it was brilliant yeah it's hard to believe it even happened and honestly it shouldn't have like i can't believe tyson did that yeah i don't either but but at the same time i mean maybe russell took that into like his calculus like if anybody's gonna do this it's this guy i love that diego's getting the uh full purple rock experience by having you talk over him that's still my pick for the overall work for the overall dumbest individual move in Survivor history. Really? Uh, right? Honestly, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's tough to beat Eric giving up his own immunity, but I can almost, like, argue a reason why Eric might want to do it. It could, might know. get him a jury vote or two, but Tyson, his only gain would be eating a few minutes earlier. <laughs> yeah. And I'm from Michigan, so we kind of have to give him the benefit, Eric, the benefit of the doubt, giving that my paper was hyping him for a while. <laughs> yeah, but it's like Tyson, all he has to do is stick to the plan and nothing can go wrong. And he was just that excited to get rid of poverty. And it's like, why? Getting rid of poverty or get rid of Russell, it doesn't matter. They're the same. Because Tyson is a hilariously petty individual, and it was totally in line with who Tyson is as a person to do that. Yeah, the closest... That anyone will ever come to voting themselves out in the game. Um, so yeah, I won't go with that one. So I'll go with my tried and true. And I, this is actually my real answer. It's just I've talked about it so much on the show that it almost feels like ad nauseum. But let's not assume that everybody's listening to this podcast has heard all the others. Um, I'd say Yul Kwan's move in Cook Islands, where uh, he weaponized his idol and got Jonathan to flip. That was the uh, one I forgot. I thought about earlier, but forgot about. Yeah, it's it's. Probably my favorite strategic move, for one. Uh, not just in the way that they were able to do it, and the way that they were able to take their um, little band of four and take out the bigger alliance, but also there was it was such a great conversation. It was such well-thought-out plans. 
and that the way him and Jonathan, who were on opposing sides, Jonathan had, you know, game betrayed him by, you know, mutinying, but they were able to rationally discuss what was in their best interest, and Yule was able to say, I am going to do this, either you're with us or you're going out. Either you're with us or against us. How American. Yes. And yeah, that's, I think that belongs on there, and I'm like, how did Yule become so criminally underrated in the Survivor community? Is it just because he doesn't service his own fame? Uh, I think it's also the whole, like, recency bias. Yeah. Like, it's been so long that people have forgotten. And other people were a little more... Other people like Malcolm or Parvati or Russell might be more flashy. Right. Yeah. So that's my answer. One other one I just wanted to bring up, because uh, it was another awesome strategy moment, was in Fiji, when uh, they voted out Edgardo. And yeah, that was a great episode. Yeah, and it's and it's just it it kind of set a template in that if you're going head to head with another alliance and there's idols in play, you don't attack them head on, you attack them from the side. You find the the alliance member least likely to have the immunity and you vote them out. And it's been kind of a move since then. Okay. Well I'm glad we could parse out that list and improve it. As we do with most other things, we just take we someone else's work. We judge from the sidelines and throw in our two cents. Exactly. We take someone else's work and improve it. So thank you, Diego, for coming on and joining us as we broke down some famous Survivor strategic moments. And uh, Hey, Diego, are you in the fantasy game this year? Yeah, I am. I'm, I changed up some of my picks after listening to your podcast. It's my own fault. Oh, I right, yeah, you're blaming us worse. for your failures. I remember. <laughs> Because I became really paranoid that, oh man, Sarah's probably going to win. I should need to get her on my side. I need to, maybe if I ditch Spencer and Wu, I'll be good. Pick up Cliff. Yeah. See, this is the problem is you should have known from my record that I am terrible at Fantasy Survivor. Well, you live and learn. I think you're still in good shape with Sarah. I'm not ready to give up on that one yet. But uh, as John was trying to say, uh, thank you for being on the show. And uh, if people are interested in smart thoughts like you've heard tonight, you should really come on by the AV Club Survivor comment section because we do it every Wednesday and Thursday. Or just send us some tweets and we'll recognize your genius. All right, so thanks again to Diego for coming on. And Annie, let's wrap this thing up. But before we do, I want to address something on Twitter because we did get a comment from Kristen Marie on Twitter who said... After our episode last week where we said that the LJ dragging a woman scene got a little too rapey for us, it was, she said, there's so much hating on LJ, womp womp, he can drag me anywhere he wants. Hashtag not rapey. And so uh, in response, I said, can he drag you to Jeremiah? And she responded with, uh, you're the worst. I just wanted to say, I'm hilarious. And yes, I am the worst. So thank you, Kristen Marie, for allowing me to show the rest of our podcast audience how hilarious I am. And you, too, can enjoy these witty Twitter responses if you tweet us at Purple Rock Pod. I, I am really pimping our Twitter account tonight. As you should. Basically, if you want the full Purple Rock experience, you really should be following us on Twitter. Uh, John is the most common commenter, but I get in there sometimes. And then sometimes you just get a fun three-way. Right. And I'll use my real account and Purple Rock and phrasing and all that. Yeah, and uh, the way to tell if it's me or Andy that's responding to you from the Purple Rock account is if it's very clever and witty, it's me. And if it's uh, intelligent and uh, prescient about the game, it's probably not him. 
Hashtag Team Andy. If it, oh, if it has a Canadian accent, it's Andy. That's right. If I inserted those uh, seemingly unnecessary use, yeah, uh, there you go. favorite or color. You're the ones that dumbed down the language, not like the Queen taught us. All right. So next week we got a merge. We do, and uh, we're gonna go out on a limb and only pick one person as our prediction to go home next week. Yeah, because we're going to spend all our time trying to figure out how this merge is going to shape up. Cause... Yeah, and also we're going to totally blow these. We're not even yeah. going to get close. I was so good at predictions last year, and this year I don't know. And I think that's probably a sign of a, a good season. Anybody could go at any time. So we have uh, six people on the Salami side and five people on the Atari side. Is that, is that it? Um, sure. But as the previews show... Sarah, again, finds herself as the person in the middle. So after an episode in which she got all bent out of shape from Tony saying, Top 5, baby, Top 5! Which, yeah, probably not a good move by Tony. We didn't even discuss that in all the Toniness this week. Um, <laughs> looks like next week she's still looking to go back, maybe, with Tony. How do you think things shape up? I can actually see her doing that. There was some suggestion this week that it actually might have been a strategic move on Tony's part to yell that out to sort of protect Sarah. I don't think that remotely entered his mind. I don't think he cares enough about Sarah to protect her from afar. Yeah, I don't like if there was any strategy behind it, it wasn't about protecting Sarah. It was about solidifying his bond with, say, LJ and Wu. Right. And Jeffra. Right, well, Jeffra's going wherever the other ones are going. I don't think she's yeah, heading out on her own. Like, I'm going to get you, Tony. But, yeah, I think she could flip back. And honestly, I think it is probably the right move for her to go back with Tony and Trish. Probably, because here's what happens. If she doesn't flip back, the brain, one of the brains, or all of the brains, in fact, might end up just going all the way to the end. Yeah, like, she has no uh, real alliance within the six that she's with other than she is with them. But we've seen nothing to suggest that anybody's bonded with her. We've seen nothing to suggest that anybody's promised her any kind of side alliance or final, you know, four, final three. Like, at best, I think she could be final, the fourth within the brains. And more likely, she'd be the sixth or even the let's boot her because she's a threat before we even get to six. Like, we'll keep Jeffra instead of Sarah. Whereas on the other side... She could be in a final three deal with Trish and Tony, and if she was, she wins. Oh, you know what? Yeah, she probably does. It's That's another possibility of Tony winning, but it's a stretch on that one. No, I don't think he could beat Sarah in anything. I think she's been well-liked. Maybe not beloved, but I don't, you know, I mean, she, she probably should have been a target this whole time since the swap, and it didn't even come up. Uh, she was immediately identified as a leader. She kicked Trish out to start the game, and Trish came back to her. No, I, I think Sarah is well-liked. She isn't necessarily the player that you know I pegged her for at the beginning of the season, but there's still time. And then here's the other thing. She's unaware of it. I'm not sure she'll ever be aware of it, but you know, going over to the side that has two idols is also not a bad move. And I could see Tony pulling the move uh, to get her back over, of at least letting her know that he has an idol. Oh, I don't think he does that. I don't think Tony's the type that's going to share info about his idol. You don't think Tony's an overshare of information? Can I remind you of a conversation we had 25 minutes ago? Yeah, uh, this is an exception to the rule. This is something he's going to keep close to the vest. Hey, the vest, he is a cop. And, you know, come on, they've got the badge and blue bloods and all of that. So, 
I think, yeah, hearing Tony react that way, which I also think was a totally genuine reaction by his part, you know, would make her to have pause. And it was also very smart of her to voice those concerns with the people she was with. And that, I'm not with them. Obviously, I'm not with them. But she should go back. She should go back and get rid of the brains and then form a sub-alliance of four with Wu, which is the alliance she thought she had. And to her knowledge, she still does. Wu helped her them get rid of Cliff and Lindsay, for all she knows. And then, you know, try to take out LJ. And I kind of think that's what's going to happen. Also because if you look at the two sides, in terms of who's been getting more attention from the show, Tony and LJ have been getting more attention than anybody on the other side. Like, Spencer would probably be the next... Uh, Spencer, Tasha, maybe, but they had to get attention. They were always going to Tribal Council. True. So if you just kind of think of, like, who's the characters of the game, I think it's the Atari side, and so I think they, they, they win. They win out next episode. I just want to point out, I did mention that if you wanted the clever response on Twitter, it'll be from me. Just rubbing that Atari joke back in your face. Oh, no, people are loving the Atari bit. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so your pick to go home then. So now it's a, uh, Sarah with those five and six. They have to attack the other side. Uh, you look for biggest threats. And I'm just going to put it out there because who cares? We're terrible predictions. I, th- I think they would take out Spencer. Ooh. See, I think in that situation they probably go with Jeremiah. That's my other choice, and I could see, say, Tony angling for that as a way of also making sure that option doesn't stay alive for LJ. But I could also see LJ convincingly making the argument that you got to break up the three brains more than you have to break up Jeremiah and Morgan. And I'm hesitant, too, because Jeremiah was almost my pick. But I can also see a scenario where Sarah does go with the brains. And if that's the case, I kind of think they go after Wu. Yeah. I don't know for sure if she will go with the brains. I actually think you made a pretty good argument of why she shouldn't. And hopefully she would see that. But I've lost so much respect for her that maybe she won't see that. So I'll go out on a limb. I'll say Wu. All right. I actually also think Wu is the most likely to win any immunity. So, I mean, you can never know until you see the challenge, but everybody was so worried about Cliff being a dominant immunity challenge, or I guess everybody being Tony. Not many individual challenges are the sort of thing that favor a Cliff. They're the sort of thing that favor a Wu. That's very true. Who knows what it's going to be, though? I mean, it could be like a food-eating challenge and... Who knows? Maybe he's usually the first one's a little more hardcore, and it could be a situation where like one man and one woman get to win immunity. Although there aren't that many men. That's true. It'd be good odds if you're a guy and they do that. All right, so that's what we got. So is Wu your pick? Yeah, I'll go out on a limb and say Wu. I actually think it'll probably be Jeremiah, but I'm going to say Wu. All right, you got Wu. We got Spencer. Uh, Let us know what you guys think. Uh, Next week's big episode, The Merge, will probably go long because we always do. And it'll be the first power rankings of the season. So you want to tune in for that one uh, to make sure that you're going to tune in. Um, I don't know if you know this, but we have a Twitter. Mm. Someone should have mentioned that at some point on this podcast. Uh, You can also subscribe to the podcast on WordPress at purplerockpodcast.wordpress.com or find us on iTunes. And if you'd like to participate in the podcast, not necessarily as a guest, but even just, you know, sending us a voicemail, how can they do that? Find JR Purple Rock on Skype. You don't even have to add me as a contact. Just call and it should go just about straight to voicemail. Leave me a voicemail. And if it's at all clever or interesting, we'll probably play it on the show and talk about it. Uh, Or send us an email at purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. 
Yeah. Or again, I think you might have heard this, but we have a Twitter at Purple Rock Pod. So, you know, if you're interested in talking to us that way, please do. All right. Well, I think I've had enough of this podcast. I'm about ready to quit. <laughs> and uh, since it's my podcast, I'm just going to kick you off right now. Theme song. Theme song.